Do you ever feel like you don't know where to start when it comes to volunteer training? Don't have the time to record training videos? The brand new version of Ministry Grid has already done the work for you with over 750 courses for you to choose from. To help you get started right away, they even have created training pathways which provide volunteer, leader, director, and staff level training modules for each specific ministry area. Whether you're looking to train volunteers, teachers, or other leaders, you can use these pathways to equip all individuals within your church. With Ministry Grid, you can customize any training that you would like and add videos, PDFs, YouTube videos, and other content that you would like. And all this can be done right from your phone. Ministry Grid has been completely rebuilt to be made for mobile and train on the go. Now you can truly train anyone, anytime, and anywhere. Get started today at ministrygrid.com. Once again, that's ministrygrid.com. Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Josh. I am a pastor here in the great state, joined by the tall one over there. That's Micah. He's pastoring in Tennessee, lives in Georgia. And uh, the good-looking one, that's Sam. He lives in Florida. Together, they are Florida, Georgia. And we're excited about uh, sharing some of our, you know, just repeating some of the things we've learned in pastoring. How are how are you guys today, Florida, Georgia the, line? The good, dude, don't even go there. That's I, was, I was about to be – I was so happy with you. It was a good Monday morning, Josh, and then <laughs> – the good-looking one? That is, those yes. are words that only my wife may have said that. Mm-hmm. We all know. We all know that this is how this works. We're, we're pretty aware of it. <laughs> <laughs> so y'all are okay besides me calling you Florida Georgia Line? Yeah. Hey, uh, we had beach baptism yesterday. Oh, that's fun. We're that's recording really this on Monday, cool. so we baptized on Sunday at the beach. Yeah, it was, mm-hmm. it was a beautiful, amazing day out there on the beach people probably publicly professing christ Love lots it. of people crowd around from the community it was it was a neat day really neat day cool. very cool at brainerd we did not have beach baptism yesterday <laughs> why not <laughs> y'all gotta go down to the river yeah it's actually been gorgeous here lately but it was mm. a little chillier yesterday yeah we are in the season of debating on who's going to get in the pool first mm. our uh, seattleite small group members who have seattleite recently- Oh, oh, recently relocated. Yeah. I thought you were trying to say satellite, and we're nope, having a difficult satellite. time with it. I'm the with satellites. you. They, um, they, they've been in the pool. They don't. If it gets like slightly above forty, they're in the pool. They're fine. The us Texans, you know, it's got to, it's got to be a couple days in the seventies for us to venture into it. But uh, we'll get there. It's about to happen. So. We, we need to talk about something here that um, got. It was a suggestion online. Uh, how where. How do we get our sermon illustration? So it's pr- particularly talking to those who are preaching ministers, preaching pastors. So y'all want to start? Where, where's the best resource uh, for a sermon illustration that you guys have discovered? You know, I, I get a lot of mine just from living life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, my I've got kids. I use them as sermon illustrations. I've got a wife. I always ask, you know, I never want to embarrass my family, and I try to be more positive than negative there, but I find that um, people like just hearing about 
your personal life. I mean, that, that's where I start. I, obviously, there's plenty of other ways to do sermon illustrations, and we're going to talk about that. But, um, you know, I, I just I just live life. You know, people people have asked me, where do you get these stories? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I just make sure I'm out and about living my life. Yeah. I mean, there's six days in between preaching, and you did stuff during that time. So even if you just go about your normal week, the most of that can illustrate just anything. Mm-hmm. That's what I learned very early on is nearly any story can illustrate nearly any point. It just depends on how you tell it. You shouldn't be hyperbolic about it or lie, but it can't well, like, happen. You know, I think my church has learned that I sp- – well, <laughs> they know now. Uh, I speak in hyperbole, and they know that. I mean, I, I'm a visceral <laughs> kind of guy. I, I, mm-hmm. I've just learned that about myself, and, and I'm honest about it. I don't intentionally use hyperbole to mislead. Right. I just use it to make a point. Everyone, you know, if if I hear something, it's either the greatest thing ever or the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, people just know that about my personality. Well, I think um, that's all right. I usually describe, you know, if I run across a snake, it usually has claws and was breathing fire and could fly, and so, you know, <laughs> people understand that kind of aspect of it but what I'm, there used to be a trend of the storyteller the preacher was always the hero and oh, those yeah, things yeah. kind of those can those can be detrimental so that would be a that would be a clue don't make yourself always the hero yeah and i'd say if you use a lot of real life illustrations self-deprecating humor is mm-hmm. important there it's very um, helpful yeah and so I, yeah that's a great clarification point when i'm doing real life often it's you know hey i'm talking about something that i kind of failed on mm-hmm. a little bit uh, because it, it's uh, it's not – I don't want to put myself on a pedestal. Yeah, If you're using real life to, you know, make yourself look better, that's probably not a not a good idea. Right. Yeah, I, I, so I'm – I think maybe this is a little unusual. I, I – when I am writing my sermons, I don't write any illustrations in my sermon almost at all. The only illustrations I put in my sermon notes are um, – textual illustrations. So if I'm trying to use scripture to illustrate scripture, I'll put those in there to make sure I quote it correctly. Uh, occasionally I'll put a statistic in there. I want to make sure I get the numbers right. But personal illustrations, stories, that sort of thing, 99.9% of the time, that's almost that's almost always extemporaneous. It's off mm. the cuff as I'm in the sermon. I've just, But I've been doing it for 20 years. It's just very comfortable for me to do it that way. I, I don't yeah. ever write those sermons. I don't ever write those illustrations into so the sermon. Tell us about a time where that didn't work for you because I could, I mean, as spontaneous as I am as a, of, of a speaker, I, I plan my illustrations because if I don't, I'm going to say something that I regret. Those words are going to float out of my mouth like butterflies. I'm going to grab them. I'm going to try to literally grab them out of the air, and I can't. So how do you? Yeah, talk I mean, about that, Mike. How do you prevent yourself from saying something stupid? I don't think I've. I can't think of a good example where I've. I mean, I've regretted things. I want to be careful. How I say this. I've regretted things <laughs> after I've said them. I've regretted I, entire sermons. It, well, I mean, that's true, <laughs> too. too. But not in the sense that, like, I say something and I think, oh, uh, you know. I, I, w- what what generally happens is either, A, there's something humorous, and I've not, I've not thought about it enough in advance to say it in such a way that I drop the funny line at the right place. And so mm-hmm. it kind of falls, it falls flatter Flat. than I intended mm-hmm. it to. So that's happened. And really, the only other thing that I can think that happened has happened in the past with any sort of consistency was if I would use an illustration re- regarding one of my kids, uh, and those usually go well. But 
um, as they've gotten older, I've realized I've got to get their permission before I ask before mm. I use those illustrations because they're aware now, and those yeah. illustrations affect them, their friends hear it, you know that sort of thing. And so when they were first beginning to be aware, I would sometimes use those illustrations without asking their permission ahead of time, and that could sometimes get me in hot water. But I, I can't. I mean. I, I don't really remember a, an example, Sam, of using an illustration and thinking, "Geez, I, I really shouldn't have. I really shouldn't have done that." I, I just, can't, I don't, I don't know of an example as far as that's concerned. You yeah, know, that's speaking great, of, I, I would. I, that's not. That's not my story. I, I used a Nerf prop once. I, I, you know, I don't. I, I learn. I, I learn. I'm props. Are, I'm just not good with them now. Um, but early on in my ministry, I used a Nerf gun. As mm-hmm. I forget even why I was using it, but I was in my <laughs> early 20s learning how to preach. I definitely am going to Photoshop a picture of Sam with a Nerf gun. Yeah, yeah the, the, well, here's like the thing. You know, it was in my, it was in a lot, some, some of our listeners know my story about my first church. You know, it was a mega church of six people, and, you know, the, the key deacon, the one deacon, had more tattoos than teeth, and, you know, the church didn't have air conditioning and all that stuff. Um, it, but I thought I was going to be, um, I don't know, just different and unique, and so I thought, I'm going to use a Nerf gun. Well— you know, of the six people, half of them ended up falling asleep during my sermon. I used to get mad at that, but then I realized I was really just that bad. But I didn't quite realize the noise that would come out of that Nerf gun when I shot it. <laughs> and um, I, and when I shot it, it landed on Miss Shirley uh, in the back row. And man, I've never seen her get up and run around and scream oh, like, no. I'm, like I've seen that when I woke her up with the Nerf gun. That is glorious. That's funny. That is. It, it would have been really funny if you were there. Yesterday, Thank, I, thankfully, there is no there is no podcast. You know, there, th- that back, that one back was in not that time. Recorded. Yesterday, I was telling a story. It was a planned illustration of my boys giving um, what would you call this? Not not heartfelt apologies. So I, we were talking on the issue of forgiveness, repentance, being repentance, and so I was going to tell a very real story with details about. Uh, you know, one of them did something and I told them to apologize and they're like, I'm sorry, you know, not a heartfelt, not a genuine apology. Well, I just forgot. I, di- I didn't really plan it well, but uh, yesterday was sort of a family service for us. So all of the, the first through third graders were in the service. So they're both sitting there on the second row, just kind of watching me preach. And I just decided kind of mid illustration, I'm not going to give the details to this one. So um, I just went with the you know, I have kids and occasionally it was just very vague. You know, it happens. And both of them kind of grinned at each other and, and, you know, elbowed each other like, yeah, you do that. You know, they both think, <laughs> think the other one did that. He's talking but about you. He's talking definitely about you, definitely. But my, I tell a lot of family illustrations. You you mentioned a minute ago, Micah, about statistics, um, you know, stories, biblical illustrations. And I've just gotten to the point where it's not so it's not so much of a rule but I will look through the sermon, and after I've written everything out, manuscripted out pretty much, and I think, you know, this could use an illustration here, or this could use an illustration here. I think one of the big things about illustrations is you don't have to illustrate everything. Sometimes people over-illustrate things. That's and true. so I say, you know, we could use a couple of illustrations here. Then I will think through. I really like to vary it. So, okay, I've, I started with a personal story. So let me go find a statistic. I think a statistic would help here, and then a biblical illustration here. And I try to vary that out. And if I am going to tell two stories, I'm not going to tell necessarily one about my kids. Maybe I'll tell instead the version of that same similar thing happening to me in my childhood. And so I try to vary them all out. I do plan them out. I write them all out just so I can drop that line where it needs to be or cut some of the details that don't need to be in the story. But 
what about your source other than your life how do you i've always been amazed at these preachers particularly it seems from the previous generations who drop in these quotes like i mean like where are you when i go to find quotes i can't ever find the gems these people seem to be finding where do you find those kind of quotes if you do it all you just make them up no one knows (laughs) yeah that that could work then i've thought that's what's happening sometimes when i'm listening to preachers yeah you just you can even make up a name you know just i find them sometimes in commentaries just when you're reading on there they'll they'll, they quote people and i just pull those out those are great quotes well yeah i mean if you want to find a lot of quotes you just got to read a lot Mm, that's true yeah and i would say i mean this this sounds funny but google is really a good help here i mean when i'm preaching i don't use google for my sermon prep in the sense that i'm trying to figure out what google thinks about the text um but i absolutely once i've got the text figured out i've got the outline i'll google the text and the topic and the book you know that sort of thing and begin working through it um just to see what other people have said about it, what they're saying. And I regularly find uh, quotes in there that are helpful to me. Do you have particular websites? I mean, when I do that, uh, it's brainy quotes or good reads. Those sort of things pull up great quotes, and I like them. I use those. Um, but do you have good? Yeah, no, I mean, my website is Google. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, just I mean, I just Yeah, I mean, so I'll use mm. all of those and, right. and more. I mean, you can find uh, you can find lots of great resources out there. Yeah, and if you if you want to dive a little deeper, Google Scholar is a really good That's resource. That's true. That's true. Um, it may be a little harder to find that you know powerful quote that you're looking for, but mm-hmm. I would say Google Scholar is probably a better starting point than just Google the search engine because at least Google Scholar is pulling from supposedly legitimate sure. sources. Right. Another great resource, which we would be remiss not to mention, and I use it every week, is Word Search. There are great resources in there, and there are any Bible study software will have that sort of stuff. So. I sometimes suggest that preachers, if you preach regularly, you should invest in one of those. I think that they're invaluable. My preference, of course, is word search, and um, the other ones are decent. They're fine. So, I have a number of uh, quote resources in there as well that sometimes will pull up things for me. So one area that I think is underserved in terms of, his, um, of, of sermon illustrations is history. Mm. Um, and one of the things that I try to do in my sermons very intentionally, because you have to work at this, is to use historical examples because people just don't know history the way that they used the the way they used to. That particularly is true. Our nation's history, yeah, I agree with that. Local history, um, man, and, and particularly if you can pull in if you if you live in a place that's more established, a community that's more established, pulling in local history, man, that that's mm-hmm. so beneficial for your people to know that you can connect context to scripture and then historical context of where you live mm-hmm. to scripture. Um, but even you know, even from a generational perspective, you you talk to uh, younger people today, and I'm not faulting them for this. It's just this is how it is. This is just every young generation. They need to learn history. And they need to be taught history. You know, you often say, "What well, what happened in 1968? Right, that was a big deal." And they're not going to know. You got to you got to teach these things. So mm. I think it's important for pastors to teach history from the pulpit when you can connect it to. The text of Scripture, because Scripture yeah. itself is history. Yeah, I, understanding I, that God works in different areas areas uh, areas of history is very important. So I think history is an area where we can do better as pastors. Well, and specifically, Sam, and I know you do this well, but as pastors, and Josh, I know you do this well as well. Knowing the history of our churches and tying uh, 
text and direction to the history of the church. Ron Edmondson, a few years ago, pushed me on that point really, really well. And uh, he does a, a great job of serving churches. And, and But he pushed me on that point. Know the history of your church better than anyone in your church. And then be able to tie what's currently happening in the church, what's currently being preached in sermons, back to um, the history of the church. Help them to see the continuity between what God is doing and what God, you know, um, you know, desires to do in the future. Micah, <laughs> I just saw it. I just saw it. What do you do? How do you work that fast? How did you, I don't even know how to use Photoshop. All right, so for our listeners, oh, Micah has Photoshopped goodness. a Nerf gun on a picture of me that he pulled from the from the internet hinterland. And I'm assuming that the EST Twitter handle will probably be putting this will this be out scheduled there. today. I'm yeah, going okay. to schedule this will post around the time of this episode. I was going to say post it when it. this episode yeah. drops so people understand what it is. It'll, it'll happen. It'll happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, so I, okay, that was a okay, really listen, rough job. I need to do a better job. But we'll, I mean, we'll, I can. I know, man. I, we'll do that. Uh, you know, I I don't like it when you tweet during <laughs> while I'm talking uh, on the podcast. But I'll give you props for this one. Daddy Sam gets really mad if we're tweeting. While <laughs> Really mad. I don't, I just, I don't want just, you to refer to him as Daddy Sam anymore. <laughs> Daddy Sam, man, it makes me Mr. feel Rainer. so unimportant when you Mr. do that. But Rainer. this, I got to give you props for this one. That's pretty I'm, funny. I'm impressed that, that that you did that quickly. It's coming. I'm, I'm that's why. Impressed. That's why our listeners need to subscribe to <laughs> follow us on Twitter and Facebook. We're both there at EST Church. Yeah, on both of them. You know, the other thing that we haven't. I think that we don't highlight enough, and it's such a jewel. Is biblical illustrations, the yeah. old narrative, the Old Testament narrative, the New Testament. Narratives, those sort of things make such fantastic illustrations. They help you interpret the Bible with the Bible. Also, the vast majority of our members, A, if they're not church at all, they haven't heard those stories. They didn't grow up in Sunday school or children's church. They didn't hear those stories or just church in general. And for a long time, it was sort of like looked down on to use biblical illustrations. It felt it felt kind of stuffy. It felt too rigid or maybe not wide enough so they just weren't used and so the uh, i can't tell you how often i run into people who come to us from great churches or especially if they're not churched at all and they're like i had never heard that story before and i'm telling you i'm saying something about ruth i'm saying something about Bathsheba. i'm saying something about one of saul's little and and really if you can get those um the side story. So when you talk about the the issues that Saul and David had, a lot of people know David, but they didn't realize all that stuff happened before. And so you you share that, and their minds are just blown. And I love that because it opens their imaginations up to this really big story that's kind of moving. And, um, and it's helpful. I think well, it's a, a thing we need to discipline ourselves to do. I, it's actually my number one source of illustration. I, I mean, I, I, I probably reference when I – and I'm an expository preacher, so I preach generally not through just verses or, or chapters but books at a time. Right. And when I take a pa- passage, I will probably illustrate it with – my notes probably contain on average – eight to 12 additional passages per sermon, I I think is probably normal. That's the number one illustration for me, is what does the rest of Scripture say? I'm trying to show uh, people as I preach that this is not just me running away with a scripture, but the, mm-hmm. that scripture validates scripture. And not to mention, I want them to, I want to teach them to understand scripture, how to know it, and, and how to interpret it for themselves. Exactly. Um, another illustration point of view is... Uh, there used to be sort of a habit. I remember when I was going off to Bible college for the first time, my student pastor gave me one of those little black 
uh, filing cabinet, plastic filing bins. It's not really a cabinet. You know, it just has a lid and you can put files in there. And he had gone through, he and his wife had gone through and put a bunch of folders in there with different common topics. Then he, from his own illustration library, had ran off all these copies and pictures of things under different topics. So it could be things like uh, the Trinity, and then there would be a bunch of papers in there. And then, you know, on and on and on. And there was probably, I don't know, 50 topics in that in that little bin there. And then most of them had two or three at least, quote-unquote, illustrations or helpful little things. There used to be this practice of actually having it physical and then... It went digital. You know, you have all these folders on your computer of cataloging resources or illustrations. I don't personally do that. I've taken a couple stabs at it before. It never really, I I just can't, I can't figure out which folder to put it in, right? I mean, this thing could illustrate anything. So do do either of you have a folder like that, a resource, a book that you've created? No. No, No, I I couldn't do that. Um, It would would be just too much work for Mm -hmm. too little payout for me. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't keep. I mean, no, I don't. I don't keep anything like that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'll tell you what I do, though, that has been helpful is we've started using a collaborative group of people. We do it in our sermon prep, not just with respect to illustrations. We do it with every element of the this, of the uh, sermon. But I remember being. Uh, we use a, a, a select group of people to help run sermons through them we try Mm -hmm. we try it doesn't work every week but generally we try and have multiple generations multiple races and multiple genders represented in that group when i was in college i remember taking a preaching class in college and the the preaching professor saying guys you don't realize this but the things you care about are the things you talk about and you don't realize how that tends to be sort of mono you know mono focused if that's a phrase basically Mm -hmm. you focus on that and you're unintentionally leaving out large portions of your congregation in the way you highlight and illustrate text. And, and so, you know, um, if you're a guy who loves sports, for instance, like I am, I use lots of sports illustrations if I'm not careful, which resonate well with a lot of people in the congregation, but don't resonate at all with probably at least half of our congregation. So just having some people who you vet illustrations by, not even to say, well, that's a good illustration or that's a bad illustration, but people who know you well enough to say you've used X, Y, or Z illustrations so consistently that there's this portion of the congregation who doesn't resonate with that and they're not hearing they're not understanding how you're applying that text because your illustration falls short. Uh, so that's been really, really helpful for me. I, I, I think that you're hitting on something that's super helpful, even more so than how to find them. A lot of people know how to, I mean, we all have stories. You're constantly telling, that's how relationships happen. You tell your spouse stories, you tell your kids stories on and on. It's what we shouldn't do. And I think that's where most preachers get in trouble is the illustrations they shouldn't do. Some of them are just cringeworthy, and it feels like, I always joke, you know, the people that go on American Idol and they just horrible, I always say their mama didn't love them enough to tell them they can't sing, and that's the same thing about sometimes illustrations. Somebody needed to tell them, stop, and I've, I've talked to uh, more, less, less experienced preachers than myself, and I say, you know, every time I hear you preach, there is a story about your wife every single time, and your wife comes off as a saint every single time. And it's really kind of causing confusion or, or maybe some feelings about things. I've had a number of um, preachers I've listened to who, you know, you can clearly tell who their favorite NFL team is. That is the illustration every single week. It's something about 
you know, the Broncos back in the day or something like that. So um, I would just encourage you to, like you said, if you're not intentional, then you can, you, you focus on what you're doing. And one of the things that I've done is when I do give a story about my favorite things, the Cowboys, the Longhorns, those sort of things, I'll always make sure to say, you may not be into football. You may not care anything about college ball or something like that. And then I'll say, but this hits you too because you care about things like X, Y, Z. And then I go and just mention them because I'm saying that it's the same for us. It's just my interest is over here. Your interest is over there. But we both kind of think through this things the same. And so that helps to bridge that gap without losing some of my and personal I, identity. I would say as well, there's no illustration that perfectly communicates to every person in the congregation. I don't care right. if there's 40 people there or if there's 40,000 people there. There's no illustration that's going to perfectly communicate to everyone. So that's why it's okay to share a Texas Longhorn illustration, though I wouldn't, and it's tragic that you do. <laughs> but it's okay to share one Hook of those. But, but I think the issue is not saying using an illustration like that. The issue is exclusively or predominantly using mm, illustrations exactly. that only communicate to one group. So exactly. feel free to use those illustrations. Preface it like you do. Hey, this may not be something that you care about, but in a few minutes you're going to talk about another illustration that may resonate with them. Right. I'll jump in and say, though, that the two types of illustrations you need to be leery of is medical metaphors and sports metaphors because they are so overused Mm. um and 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 there's nothing i'm with you guys there's nothing wrong with going there with sports at all because a good part of your congregation probably does like sports um i try to focus on local sports myself and you know compelling stories within them that anyone can relate to even if you're not a sports fan there's nothing wrong there but i would just say that that medical metaphors and and sports metaphors are so overused that Mm -hmm. you find yourself using them make sure that they're just highly intentional and sporadic what's some other do not do's that y'all have seen before so we've got medical sports yeah I, i would say there's a do not and i've seen gosh i've seen pastors do this Politics, a lot of politics. Well, politics you need to be very careful with. Mm-hmm. Sam said, make sure, I think it was Sam, it might have been you, Josh, said, you know, use self-deprecating stories. I agree with that. Right. Don't promote yourself. And it's mm-hmm. it's astonishing to me how often pastors tell stories that make themselves look like a hero. Right. And, and that's a tragic mistake. If you're going to use stories about your own life, uh, let them be biographical and self-deprecating. Don't make yourself look like um, the hero. And, and you know, right. we've, We've kind of touched on this already, but don't tell stories that make your spouse or your children look like they are um, problematic. No, no, no. I think the opposite problem. Oh, really? If I, I mean, I'm not going to make them look perfect, but I'm not going to tell stories about them that talk about their weaknesses or, I mean, other than little goofy stuff about kids when they're babies, you know, that sort of thing. But generally speaking, I'm going to build up my family if I ever use them as an illustration. The the pastor doesn't use illustrations about almost anyone else in the congregation. So Mm -hmm. our families get particularly focused on because of that. If I'm going to tell a story about them, it's going to be a story that builds them up and makes them look, uh, makes them look good. See, I do it. I actually feel the opposite. Um, I'm not necessarily. I think sometimes, and this was, and I'll say this is strictly from experience. I was under a pastor who con all of his illustrations, and this goes back to the being careful of what you say. All of his illustrations made his wife and kids out to be these saints, and it caused it caused division in the hearts of a lot of people, where they just felt like I can't be 
as perfect as her. I can't be because she's this perfect Christian or those kids are they're they're the perfect family. Those sort of things. We tell. So I will regularly tell normal. Like my goal is to just we're a normal family, and so I'll say things sometimes. It well, gets if I a said laugh. That everyone would know I was lying. Yeah, <laughs> I I I I get a laugh about things like. Um, if I'll say something, but I, I I make Jackie's reaction in the story hyperbolic or like she just – she's so lucky to have me. I'll say something along those lines and so everybody laughs because they – obviously the, the opposite is, is true. So I think just conveying normalcy is helpful. Uh, there's nothing wrong with celebrating wins. I think sometimes celebrating the wins particularly of your spouse – um, saying something along the lines of, of they did well in this situation because sometimes they get a lot of the heat in a, from our positions but not any of the credit from our positions the same way um, you know we get that sort of thing. So I think what we're saying here is just be very careful how you do this and how often you do the same thing is, is I think what we're kind of hitting at personally. So, so two more categories I think we need to talk about. We talked about real life and history, biblical illustrations, biblical examples, Current news and pop culture. What do you mm-hmm. guys think about either of those two categories? Yeah, I mean, I, I actually I don't use pop culture a lot. I did yesterday in my message. I actually referenced in one of the sermons. Um, I referenced the TV show The The Good Place. I'm fascinated by that show, so I referenced it. I will occasionally. I, I rarely uh, use pop culture references. Uh, I'm sorry. I rarely reference like. TV shows or actors in particular, but mm-hmm. I will occasionally drop lines that are pop culture that, that refer to right. pop culture in a sermon. If I know my audience, like we have two venues on our our property, you know, we have the sanctuary venue, which is more traditional, and we have the BX venue, which is much more modern. I don't generally drop those references in the sanctuary, but you know, like I, when I'm preaching on pride, I did this a few weeks ago. I was preaching on pride in the BX venue, and I'll say, you know, I'm kind of a big deal. My office smells of rich mahogany. I have many leather-bound books. <laughs> you know, you guys know that that's a reference from the Anchorman, right? And mm-hmm. and everybody in that audience, like, dies laughing. I'll drop mm-hmm. occasionally a Parks and Rec line or something from The mm-hmm. Office or something like that. I won't say, hey, this is from Parks and Rec. This is from The Office. No. I just I'm drop just the line in the middle of the yeah. sermon. And it's amazing. Like, it lightens the mood. Everybody laughs. And then they pay attention more. I, I'll tell right. you. Under uh, humor is massively underrated by pastors. I don't think our sermons should be a comedic slapstick one line after another, but appropriately placed humor not only eases the tension, gets everybody to laugh, but it also helps people zero in and focus more. They don't want right. to miss anything. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with you. Not to when I was preaching on Joseph and his rise to the prominence that he had at one point I said he became the assistant to the regional manager and just <laughs> just said that oh going. I'm preaching Esther right now about Haman and I'm definitely going to drop that line yeah just say that in the middle of it and, it and I've said you're killing me smalls a couple time and in these sort of things but I think the danger happens this happened a lot with Tim Tebow although I think that um he's proven to be okay but sometimes there are these rise of moralistic sort of personalities that become in our culture sort of an ideal of moralism. And I've seen ministers, preachers kind of go to seed on that and start quoting that person, that individual. And it takes, you know, two, two news cycles for some scandal to break out. And so what has often been told is let your heroes be dead because then they can't disappoint you anymore. And I think that we need to be careful when we lift up a certain show or a certain thing more because regardless of how it actually is, 
you're giving sort of a um, like a a blessing over that show. I'll give a personal example: is back long time ago, there was a season or two of Grey's Anatomy that they were just shows about medicine, and that was really pretty much it. It was just a little bit of drama, shows about medicine, along the lines of sort of like a Law and Order. And I remember specifically telling my pastor at the time, you've got to watch this show. This is, I mean, it's really gripping. It's really entertaining and stuff like that. That week's episode was one of the more racy episodes I've ever seen. And he came to work the next day and he says, I just sat there and thought, my staff is watching this. And we just, we were all horrified because nothing like that had happened until that episode. And I think sometimes we need to be careful how we, inadvertently maybe christen you can you can drop these lines because they're cultural things it's kind of like how seinfeld affected the way we all communicate you can drop those things but be careful that we don't christen a certain personality or a certain show or a certain movie or something like that because sometimes it'll bite you in the bite you in the rear yeah i'll use pop pop culture references every now and then because it's popular culture and i think it's good to be contextual mm-hmm. what i use more of is current news um i you know i don't everything's breaking news today you know every, right. literally, literally everything so everything. you got to stay away from the sensationalism but there are things that happen in our world um that that do need to be communicated to the church particularly if something's being underreported you're talking about christians being persecuted or right. um you know certain geopolitical events that you know may tie into a particular text very well um, so I'm I'm you know I'm not a news junkie. I, you know I probably watch an hour at thirty minutes to an hour of news every day and and read you know a few newspapers just to keep up on what's happening in the world. And I do think you should use current news <clears throat> probably more so than than pop culture. Right. Well, that's all the time we have for today's episode. I've got a bunch of other things I would love to share with you, but we'll have to do on on another episode. We are just a couple of weeks away from the Southern Baptist Convention meeting in Dallas. And if you are part of that tribe, and if you're going to be there like the three of us are, then we'd love to have coffee with you. Monday, June 11th at 8 a.m. at the Davis Street uh, Coffee House. We're going to kind of meet up with everybody there. We are going to buy, I think it's the first 20 cups of coffee for whoever shows up there. There's no pre-reg, anything like that. Uh, We'll just buy the first 20 cups. There's also some other podcasting personalities like Not Another Baptist Podcast. I think um, Potluck Podcast, some other people are going to try to um, be there as well. So if you're part of that tribe, if you're part of that group, and you're going to be in Dallas, even if you're not going to the convention necessarily, but you're in Dallas and around that area, you want to hit up Davis Street Coffee on Monday, June 11th at 8 a.m. We'll buy your cup of coffee. Just love to meet you. Shake your hand. Tell you thank you for listening to the show and and hear from you. So uh, make sure that you are subscribing on iTunes. Please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or whatever your favorite podcaster is, and we will catch you next week. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. Support for EST is provided by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. The mission at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission.
The school is located in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and offers more than 40 different degree programs ranging from Associate of Divinity to Doctor of Philosophy. With more than 3,400 students enrolled, Southeastern trains future and current ministry leaders to lead effectively, study the word diligently, and preach the gospel unashamedly. Learn more about Southeastern by visiting www.sebts.edu. And come check out our campus to see how you can join the Southeastern family and learn how to go to reach your community, your nation, and your world. Wherever you're going, Southeastern will help you get there.